coming up on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. We take a look back at some of the best SummerSlam pay-per-views of all time. In honor of the sold-out G1 Supercard show, we've included interview bites from nine Ring of Honor stars explaining why the company is gaining popularity. How many Superman punches will Roman throw versus Brock? Our thoughts on the G1, plus much more. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Paul. Yep, and we've got a big, big week of wrestling ahead after a big weekend of wrestling last weekend as well. But before we get to any of that, remind you, if you want to follow the podcast, follow us on social media at Two-FacedPod, or you can find our website, TwoFacedPod.com. Yep, and that's T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. And if you go to the website, that's where you could find all the audio platforms you can listen to us on. And you could find the YouTube link to Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube where you could view us on because we've got some cool edited footage on there. Sometimes I'll put pictures. This week we're running some interviews so you'll get to see the actual footage of the interviews, me interviewing countless Ring of Honor stars, which was a lot of fun, by the way. But before we move on into the week of wrestling, I want to remind you guys, if you follow me on Twitter every week, at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T, you have the power, (laughs) you've got the power to pick out my wrestling shirt that I wear every week. This week... The almighty Christopher Daniels, SCU, he won. So um, the other choices were Speedball Mike Bailey or the Briscoes. But overwhelmingly, the votes went towards Christopher Daniels, and he's great. So I'm glad he won, but hopefully the other guys can win in future polls so I can sport their shirts too in the future. 61% Christopher Daniels got. So yeah, follow me on Twitter, and then you can help choose what I'll wear like next week and in the coming weeks. Well, it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for Headlines. And we're going to start with the conclusion of G1 Climax 28. And, uh, boy, the semifinals and the finals, uh, not technically semifinals, I guess, but the, the last two nights of block action and then the finals did not disappoint. No, it was incredible. And I think the closing statement by Kevin Kelly said it best. He said, you know, I've been at WrestleMania with 70,000 people. I've been at Madison Square Garden. But this is my favorite thing I've done in my 28 years in the business. So that obviously said a lot about what the G1 tournament meant to him, what calling it meant. And I think that the English commentary added a lot to the whole tournament, especially when we got towards the finals more, he kind of explained where people stood, and that helped me understand what was going on. So props to Kevin Kelly for a job well done. He actually was just announced for StarCast. He'll be there. Hoping we can get an interview. We'll see. But great commentary, and the finals themselves was great. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we were skeptical. Yeah, but uh, Kevin Kelly, uh, you know, I I said it during one of the shows, his – his knowledge and his preparation and 
the stats that they must compile in New Japan. He's got match records from 2008. It's something that WWE doesn't have. Like, sometimes they almost act like there is no history. Whereas Kevin Kelly is, you know, like even in, you know, the Omega Ibushi match. Kenny had never beaten Ibushi. Ibushi the only one to ever kick out of the one-wing angel. Just great little tidbits that, like you said, he gives throughout the matches. So, he uh, big kudos to him. Yeah, you could tell the amount of work and dedication he puts into it. But let's go back to the finals. And like I was beginning to say, it was a surprise to us because we were kind of skeptical about Tanahashi because some of his other performances in past matches in the G1 were a little shaky in terms of, I saw some sloppy sequences, and I don't want to get heat for this because he's so beloved. Although, I say that, and there's a lot of people in uproar that he won. And I think that's just because Abushi is so over that they were really hoping he would win. And now that Tanahashi's won, they're a little disappointed. But how, you, how can you be disappointed? That's my thought. Because Omega... If he's going to stay in New Japan, if he's not going to sign a contract anywhere else, he needs to prove himself as a top guy there. Just like Okada had to prove himself as one of the greatest IWGP heavyweight champions of all time by beating Tanahashi's record, I think Omega has to beat Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom to kind of cement himself and to cement his legacy in New Japan Pro Wrestling now and going forward. So I think it's the right decision overall, but... Having been so skeptical of Tanahashi's performance, he did great against Ibushi in the finals. Yeah, I mean, you know, earlier matches, I, I remember, I think it was Michael Elgin. It was just kind of an awkward roll-up. There were just, you know, I, I I don't like to use the word sloppy because I'm not a wrestler. I, I but Yeah, I don't want to offend anyone when I use right, that word. But, I don't mean it in a no, bad but, way. But they were, they weren't real smooth, clean, you know, finishes in a couple of his matches. And the other thing that kind of disappointed me, and we talked about this for both block finals, was the fact that the third guy was eliminated before you ever got to the final match. So it was a winner-take-all. I would have liked to have had the element of Jay White was still alive, or in the other side, Naito was still alive, if some things happened, rather than it have, have it all winner-take-all. Now, granted, the matches, the Okada-Tanahashi match that went to a draw was a great match. Um, you know, full of drama, and then obviously Omega and Ibushi was one of the best matches of the tournament. Oh, yeah, that, that's second for me. Because I was so surprised how great the finals turned out, I think that would be first. Second, Omega and Ibushi, and then a close third, Ishii and Omega. Yeah, that was that was great. Uh, Ishii, we, I think we said it last week, is, is kind of the unsung guy in this tournament because he had so many great matches against Naito, against Ibushi. Like you said. So, uh, you know, I, I would say, you know, the Ibushi, Ishii, but the Ishii-Naito match is going to be one that stands out to me. Uh, the Ibushi-Omega match was just so good. So, that, I mean, that's going to be one of my fi- favorites from the tournament. I mean, there was so much. And it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, a couple weeks ago or, or whatever, I think it was two weeks ago, we were talking about could Kenny Omega go undefeated through the tournament. <laughs> And then he ended up losing his last three matches yep. of the tournament. I actually, speaking of one of his losses, I really liked the whole Yano and Omega match. There were some interesting spots. I know you groan when I talk about Yano, but I'm liking him more and more. He's just like a hidden gem because comedy wrestling to me is hit or miss. And a lot of comedy wrestling I don't like, but I like Yano's. I just, for some reason, something about it really captures me and draws me in. 
Uh, and I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> you can at me on Twitter and complain. That's okay. <laughs> but we can all agree to disagree. I'm okay with that. I'm a big proponent of it's okay to have differences of opinion and uh, still be friends or still like each other. So don't hate me. I like Yano. Other, it is what it is. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and, and they were prevalent through the whole tournament, uh, but the final night, firing squad versus uh, the Bucks and Skrull in that six-man tag oh, match. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the storyline going in was that the firing squad was going to be on a three-month suspension, and then they turn around and win the titles. Oh, my God. And not only did they win, but they threw it at the President May's feet. And they're like, we don't give up about those titles. Yeah. We don't give up about any titles. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. And uh, speaking of Tomatonga, man, he had a great performance in the G1 in terms of his heel work, his character work. He is so over right now. Just, I think this whole last month has done wonders for him in terms of kind of getting more recognition. Well, and I'll, I'll take it a step further. I think the, the guy in that faction that may have had the biggest boost didn't even participate in the G1, and that's Tonga Loa. He got to show off his mic skills with his introductions. He was involved. He was a great heel. So I think just as much Tonga Loa benefited by, by what the firing squad did throughout this G1. Yeah, I loved some of his intros that you alluded to. I don't know if you call them intros or like <laughs> mini rhyming raps. I'm not really sure, but I liked it. I thought it was like on the cusp of being corny, but so much so that it was enjoyable. Because mm -hmm. sometimes things walk that that fine line of being campy, but it's so campy or just on the brink of it that it's good, and I liked it. But uh, talking more about the firing squad, even though obviously they didn't have a lot of points, they still made a big impact and changed the whole kind of layout of the G1, the tournament itself, because a lot of things could have been different if they actually cared about points. But they were going more story-heavy with all of the people that are a part of the firing squad who were involved in the G1. I like that. And it kind of shows you that New Japan is going towards appealing to a more Western audience more. And I actually talked a lot about that with the New Age Insiders. I was just on their show this week. Find them on Twitter, at New Age Insiders. We really had a fun conversation. And they had such eloquent things to say about all these topics we just touched on. Check it out. I enjoyed talking with those guys. And they had ridiculous Roman Reigns and Tomatonga impersonations that sounded terrible, but so terrible, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> <laughs> so all in all, I would say the G1 was... Uh... It was a lot of work to watch it, but uh, boy, was it uh, a lot of quality wrestling and uh, thoroughly enjoyable to watch. How do you think, I and mean, we're going to talk about SummerSlam in a little while, but how do you think watching SummerSlam will measure up to something like what we just saw? Well, I mean, I always say it's always better that we don't watch New Japan right, right before we watch anything else, whether it's Impact, WWE, because New Japan is so strong and so good right now. Um, it's it's heads and tails from a wrestling perspective. It is heads and tails, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, better than anything else right now. Cause every match is just great. It really is. And that's a great point. Like, yeah, just when you're watching the G1, watch it separately, take a break for a little while, watch other wrestling. That way you're not making unfair comparisons yeah. or comparing apples to oranges type of thing. But yeah, so enjoyed it. Um, what did you guys think about it, listening at home or watching at home? Tweet us at TwoFacePod. Give us your opinions. We'd love to know. Because, you know, you might have a different favorite match than us. There's tons of matches to choose from. That's the beauty of it. Well, big news for 
uh, New Japan in partnership with Ring of Honor, and that's going to lead us into our Ring of Honor discussion, the big show that's going to happen during WrestleMania weekend at MSG, and it is sold out. Not only is it sold out, but sold out in record time, and it's just incredible what Ring of Honor has done over this last three years. Their growth has been incredible, and it's, I think, due to a multitude of factors, not just one factor, but I honestly believe, and you can tell me I'm biased all you want, whatever, (laughs) I do think the Young Bucks and being the elite are a huge part of what we're seeing right now in the success of Ring of Honor. Oh, no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. They are the driving force. If, if, I mean, I, Cody gets a lot of credit too, but it's, it's, look, it's the Young Bucks. They're, the, they're the reason Ring of Honor has become as popular as it is. I think they're, they and Kenny Omega are the reason more people are watching New Japan mm-hmm. in the United States. So, no, they deserve all the credit. And, uh, I mean, You've got some numbers and some stats that are just incredible about this event. Yeah, okay, so if you go on ROHWrestling.com, they've got a great article. It's entitled, ROH New Japan G1 Supercard Creating History at the Garden. Now, and even in the article it says history and making history is kind of talked about a lot. And it's thrown around so easily in the wrestling world. But this truly is making history, and this is why. The last time a wrestling show at Madison Square Garden wasn't promoted by a McMahon, it was on November 14th, 1960. Even I wasn't alive for that. Whoa. (laughs) I know. Whoa! (laughs) That's blowing my mind right now. Um, That's old. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm I'm just messing with you. But that is a long time. So this is huge for them. And not only that stat is impressive, but when you think about it, ECW or WCW never ran a show at MSG. Never. Impressive. And it's going to be interesting to see going forward. You mentioned McMahon. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if they will end their run at MSG now. Are they going to be mad about this? Or I mean, I think it would be dumb because MSG... WWE house shows are their biggest house shows. So I don't see them, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face in this regard. Well, if you keep up with Wrestling Inc. and their news, and a video I did for them when Ring of Honor sold out Madison Square Garden, part of the video said that WWE released a statement and it said, ROH and Madison Square Garden are, of course, free to work with whoever they want. You know, that's subtle to me, but it's like it's almost like they were forced into making that statement because, you know, there was a lot of talk back and forth when we thought the show wasn't going to happen, that there was going to be some legal action taken. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Madison Square Garden was pressured back into having this event happen or if they were just like, eh, we're going to do it anyway, or if WWE backed off and they were like, ah, we don't want the bad press kind of thing. I don't know. I don't really know what happened behind the scenes. I'm just glad that this show is happening and that... Guess what? We're going. We got tickets. Yes. I cannot wait to see a wrestling show at MSG. I'm so excited about it. It was on my bucket list. You know, you kind of have this cool goal. (laughs) Tell people at home about your whole football stadium goal. Oh, well, I just, my goal is to get to every Division I college football stadium for a game. So I'm more than two-thirds of the way there, but uh, I I like your goal, too. Yeah, well, I developed my goal kind of. In inspiration from your goal, I want to go to a lot of famous 
and historically important wrestling venues throughout the country and throughout the world. So that's my little goal. And of course, Madison Square Garden is on that list. And I'm very excited that not only do I get to go for a wrestling show, but it's a Ring of Honor wrestling show. And Ring of Honor is a company that I, I'm not just blowing smoke up people's, you know, you know what. Mm -hmm. I really believe in Ring of Honor. I'm a big proponent of that company. And I don't know, I really kind of, give them props a lot, but but it's because I love the product and I love the wrestlers are so nice. They've always gone out of their way to be nice to me. And that brings us to some interview bites we got a few months ago. And these interview bites I love. And I asked a multitude of Ring of Honor wrestlers why they think that Ring of Honor is becoming more and more popular and what makes Ring of Honor as a promotion special. Yeah, and uh, this, this was uh, compiled at Supercard of Honor and uh, also a show in Atlanta. And uh, the wrestlers were great with their time, and you saw back then the passion of the wrestlers for Ring of Honor, and, and now we see what Ring of Honor is helping to produce this massive show. So we're going to hear from Adam Page, ROH COO Joe Koff, Beer City Bruiser, Ian Riccoboni, Caprice Coleman, Rhett Titus, Jay Lethal, and Kerry Sokin along with Punishment Martinez, and we'll wrap up with Shane Taylor. Let's listen in to these guys and their thoughts about Ring of Honor. This is, you know what I mean, like right now, right now is one of the best times to be in wrestling because there's a million places to go, and I really feel like uh, Ring of Honor is the best. You know what I mean? We have, we have something that other places don't have. We have the freedom to do what we want, to speak up and you know, give our ideas and, and live them out. You know what I mean? Um, they don't get shut down. They don't get written down on a piece of paper and thrown out the window. We get to do them. You know what I mean? We get to be ourselves. We get to do what we want to do. And I think, man, that shows in our product so much. You know what I mean? Everything, um, man, everything that we do. You know, we wanted to, if we wanted to do this belt with nails coming out of it somewhere else, no way. No, get out of here. But, but now, man, here at Ring of Honor, it's anything goes. You know what I mean? It's great. This is happening right now because it's meant to be happening right now. I mean, this is a work in progress. And I think what we're seeing now with Ring of Honor and with our distribution and where we are with our television is your st people are understanding the story and the continuity of our story and how well our stories are told and how well our guys tell the story. And what we have today is just a validation of all of those good points. We've worked hard to get here. As I view Ring of Honor as almost like my children. And when your children do really well, you're really, really proud. And this organization has just really, really over-exceeded on every level. And for them, I'm really happy for the Jay Lethals and the people you see around the room, Kenny King. People want to believe in people who believe in what they're doing. And that's what Ring of Honor is all about. We have a locker room of the most unselfish people and because of that, and because of that graciousness, and because of their understanding of what the ultimate goal is, they too are believers. And when they believe the way they believe, their work sends out a believable message. So I think that's really what we're all about. If we wanted to break it down into a philosophical component, it's, it's our belief system. We really love and enjoy each other. We love what we do. We embrace what we do. We live what we do. And I think, you know, that's... Uh, 
that's really, really important to me. It's the kind of organization I wanted to lead. Every guy goes out and tries to put on the best match I can. And I think the fans realize that um, we're not watered down. You know, every guy goes out there, puts emotion in their matches. All the characters are characters. You know what I mean? We got beer drinkers, we got big guys, we got real men. You know, and then uh, you can attribute to the Bullet Club the success that they've had. You know, and then they're, they're not selfish guys, so they pass the success along down the, the roster. So I just think it's a, it's the locker room. We're just all enjoy working here, and it shows. Tell me about how Ring of Honor is growing, and it seems like we're breaking records left and right with attendance, and why do you think that is? What do you attribute that to? I think it's the athletes, and I think it's uh, creative freedom. I think everybody's really okay living in their own skin and being themselves and giving the fans their best selves every time. Um, we have guys that think in a real 360 worldview, uh, especially that's necessary in a world with, with Twitter, Instagram, where you, as anybody that's notable, you have to be on and foster those ideas and personas so when guys like the Young Bucks like Cody like Marty Skrull Adam Page when they're doing being the elite and it's getting 200,000 views and you know that's a fraction of what we get on television but not a small fraction I mean this is a sizable audience they're cultivating that they're bringing to our television our television is bringing to them but this continued growth is awesome uh, we have such dedicated athletes and wrestlers our production staff is amazing we, we keep getting more and more new bells and whistles and they they've been incorporating them into our events and pay-per-view uh, we just got Honor Club, which is amazing. Everybody can watch all of our live events now through Honor Club, which is an incredible uh, advancement for us. It, it brings these great events that we were doing and putting on DVD live to fans. It comes down to the people, the athletes and, and the production, um, just everybody being comfortable living in their own skin, being themselves, and knowing there's one mission, and that one mission is to get Ring of Honor uh, to continue to grow. I believe because the sky is the limit and the best wrestling on the planet is being undenied now. Ring of Honor is the best wrestling on the planet and nobody can deny that. Social media is showing it, the world is showing it, and the bigger we get, more people follow us because they've been for years forced to believe this brand is the best, forced to believe that brand is the best, forced to believe this brand is number one, this brand is number two, this brand is number three. Now with social media now, they're able to make a decision for themselves and they're seeing that Ring of Honor is the best wrestling on the planet. You're talking to a guy right here who's at the very first Ring of Honor show as a fan at the Murphy Rec Center where there's probably about 300 people in a sweaty gym, you know, and has lived through every ownership change and, you know, management change and all of that. And to be here today, it's like, wow, like, you know, this is this is a whole new level. You know, I remember being at the Hammerstein Ballroom thinking, whoa, it, it doesn't get any bigger than this. But I mean, it's bigger than that right now. The proof is in the pudding. Every time we come back to a place that we've been before, there's more people there. And that proves we're getting bigger and bigger. It proves we're putting out something that the people want to see. Uh, and the wrestling business as a whole is uh, doing pretty good, I'd say, right? Well, uh, I, w I came to Ring of Honor not when it first started, but during the first couple years. Uh, and I shared the locker room with guys like Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, Nigel McGuinness. Uh, amazing wrestlers. And then I went away for a little while. Uh, I had a brief stint in TNA wrestling at the time. Then I came back and everybody said, well, what's the difference between Ring of Honor before and Ring of Honor now? Uh, other than the names uh, that I mentioned before, we still have great talent on our roster. The Young Bucks, probably the greatest tag team of, of my generation, our generation. Uh, that's an opinion, of course, but I just I feel like uh, 
very strongly on that one. So what I'm ultimately trying to say is the talent has always been there. Ring of Honor's done a great job of, for years, having the greatest roster out there currently. This is the man I was talking about, Carrie Silken. Held the company on his back for many years. A lot of us wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this guy. He did a tremendous job of making sure that his roster was always currently the greatest roster around, like I was telling you before. Thank you. No worries. Thank no worries. you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank and, you. And Jay Lethal continues. I say he's the best wrestler in the world, but Ring of Honor has the best wrestling in the world and nothing better than just my opinion and we know everyone has an opinion <laughs> right but right. uh that we have the best wrestler in the world we're going to prove it once again yep. you know it's like there's an old there's an old cartoon you're too young mr magoo there's i know mr magoo and how does every episode end oh magoo you've done it again <laughs> so ring of honor how are we going to do it again oh magoo we've done it again ring of honor lets us be ourselves um they don't force you to be something that you're not or put you in situations where you're uncomfortable um i'm allowed to really express anything that i want in my way um and from front office to the crew everybody's supportive um and that's why I feel like guys really find their niche when they're in Ring of Honor opposed to when they're in other companies that they can't really express how they feel or how, how they want to portray themselves. Tell me more specifically, what about the relationship between Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling? Why is that so special and important? Uh, because neither company has a problem with um, putting their ego to the side where most companies, they don't want to acknowledge other companies where Ring of Honor and New Japan are basically saying, no, how about we make the business better? and forget about individual priorities. And because at the end of the day, it helps you individually anyway. With the partnership where New Japan stars come to Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor stars go to New Japan, um, it just creates more interest, larger fan base, and it helps both companies, and it helps the business grow as a whole so that everywhere, Japan and in the United States, the boys have places to work. I think people are just looking for something different. You know, uh, they've they've been getting the same thing for years, and uh, when you can bring something else to the table that people like, and is always exciting and cutting edge, and you know, popular uh, with guys like the Bullet Club and everything that they bring, I, I think it's just something that they've that they've captured and we've captured as a company. Uh, and as long as we continue to uh, keep pushing the bar and, and keep testing ourselves and keep being cr creative and fun it, it's only going to keep growing i sure hope so because i love ring of honor and you know if you could pick anybody to work with any match you could just make in ring of honor who would you love to face right now who would you love to work a program with to have anybody come to ring of honor or do they already have to be on the roster whatever you want just pick fantasy land shane taylor against minoru suzuki I would love that. Oh, my God. He's one of my favorites. That would be great. And since the partnership's there, very possible. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I I really love the match that I had with with Hiroki Goto in Toronto for Global Wars. Um, I love that style. I love everything about uh, the culture, about the training, the intensity, the rate. Um, the importance of everything, the feel of everything. So, and that's a guy that I feel would bring out the best in me. So we'll see if I can bring out the best in him. I would love to see that match, but you know, you might get the evil laugh. You got to brace yourself. It's a little scary when you're in the ring across from Minoru. His entrance. The only thing that I can compare it to is watching Taker come out. There's a feeling you get. 
and it's, it's it's very rare that you get that with anybody else. Um, so when that's that's something that I look forward to as well, uh, because that feeling uh, is unmistakable, and that feeling is exciting, and I want that again. Shane Taylor, hopeful to get a chance to go against Suzuki. Uh, we actually saw Shane Taylor at a Wildcat show this past weekend as well, performing. Uh, he may get his wish now with this G1 Supercard at MSG. He may get his hands on Suzuki. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, I know. Ah! <laughs> I can't even do the Suzuki evil laugh. But uh, I told him in the interview, you know, it's scary when you're standing across the ring from him. Brace yourself. I love what he said about Suzuki's entrance. So true. And I feel the same way. It's a special entrance. And hopefully, you know, if not at G1 Supercard, because that's kind of like a match we might not see there. But who knows? Maybe if not there, sometime later in the future. No way these guys, when when these interviews were conducted... I don't think they could have ever dreamt that they would be hosting a show at Madison Square Garden on the same weekend as WrestleMania. <laughs> With over 10,000 people? I don't think so. No. I mean, they knew that they were getting bigger and bigger and that they, that they all believed the company could continue to grow. But this amount of growth in such a short time, man, it's impressive. And I think any business or company would say that with the same level of growth. Well, let's check in with some of the weekly programming with Ring of Honor and... Uh, our guys. Yeah, my boys. My favorite boys. <laughs> now that they have a new name. The Bouncers. Yeah, Brian Malonis and Beer City Bruiser. Yeah, I'm so happy that they finally have a cohesive name. I even kind of joked with them about that when I interviewed them at Supercard of Honor, saying, you guys need a name. Um, because you're, you're two really unique forces to be reckoned with, and just calling you by each individual name is a mouthful, and I just thought that they could have a really powerful name. And in fact, months ago on Twitter, they kind of asked for suggestions, and we put in a few, but I can't even remember what <laughs> they were. But they were funny. I remember that. It all had to do with beer and all this other stuff. But they had a great match against the Briscoes on ROH TV uh, this past week. It was awesome. I loved it. Hard-hitting. Of course, spoiler, they were not successful, but still check out the match anyway. And it's funny, I was tweeting with you today about wanting to watch that match, and it auto-corrected Briscoes to Bedsores. I was like, I want to quickly watch the Bouncers versus the Bedsores. People were having a field day on Twitter when I posted that uh, picture of that auto-correct. And they were like, hmm, the Bedsores, that's what they should be called after facing the Bouncers. <laughs> well, Brian Malonis uh, had said, even back at Supercard of Honor, uh, that he, they, they, they were up for any challenge. Let's hear what he had to say. Yeah. Of course we want the Briscoes because they're the tag team champions, and we want the gold. Yeah, li line them up. Line them up, we'll set them down. Bucks, machine guns, Briscoes, whoever. Line them up, we'll knock them down. I can't wait to see you guys knock them down like dominoes. That'll be awesome. Well, another takeaway is uh, obviously we're building for a Colt versus Bully Ray match. Yeah, the ROH TV episode kind of ended with, a multi-man tag match and Colt rushed in to help cheeseburger against Shan Taylor punishment Martinez and bully Ray and of course they've been teasing this tension between bully Ray and Colt Cabana and also the announcers in general and basically all good people at Ring of Honor versus bully Ray because he's been like a super heelish heel and I like that because bully Ray is so good at that of course, I love when Ian's screaming, he's disgusting, this is disgusting, this is terrible, oh, he's garbage. <laughs> it's amazing. I love when Ian gets so disgusted by him, but Colt ran in and the crowd went wild. So it's awesome to see the crowd so into Colt, because he's not been wrestling for Ring of Honor lately. No. He's been doing commentary with Ian, which I love as well, but 
if they're building towards a match, I'm excited to see him back in the ring for Ring of Honor. Well, Madison Rain is now wrestling in Ring of Honor. Uh, if you like Madison Rain, you're in luck because she's now everywhere. <laughs> she really is. Not only has she made her debut with Ring of Honor recently on this episode, and it was awesome. I was so happy to see her. And she actually won the number one contenders match to be in line for a title shot against Sumi. That's going to be awesome. And she's been an impact, obviously. And actually, she's been announced for the Mae Young Classic, which I know she even said she cried about that. She was so happy to be included. And although she's known as Madison, I think she's being called Ashley in that May Young tournament. So keep a lookout for her there. And she was featured in the latest All Us video, which is on Cody Rhodes' YouTube channel, because she's also going to be all in. And that's a big deal, too. So lots of good goings on in Ring of Honor. And, of course, again, it'll culminate in April as uh, they are going to headline Madison Square Garden for the G1 Supercard. So they're looking forward to a big event in New York City. WWE and NXT are looking to a big event in New York City this weekend. The Barclays Center in Brooklyn, NXT TakeOver, and WWE SummerSlam. We'll get to TakeOver in a bit, but SummerSlam leading into it. Uh, great little bit on Raw. We, we sort of had the storyline, is, is Heyman maybe going to flip-flop and go to Roman Reigns? And uh, he swerved everybody. <laughs> Man, from the crying red puffy eyes <laughs> to the ridiculous spraying of the pepper spray. Well, let's put it in air quotes, pepper spray. <laughs> that was the least convincing pepper spray I've ever seen. Just looks like spraying of water. But... I love Paul Heyman, and he's been the star of this SummerSlam build between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And we've seen this in past SummerSlams, and guys, stay tuned. This is a teaser right here. We're going to be talking about a lot of past SummerSlams in our upcoming segment, Super Kicking It Old School. We took a look back at a multitude of SummerSlams throughout the years, including ones where Heyman also played a prominent part and I don't know. I think he really is the best part about this right now. What do you think about Heyman's performance? He's, hey, I, I said it on radio uh, this week. He's the best in the business and has been for a long time. I really, really wish he wasn't just with one person. I, I'd, I'd like to see him branch out, even if it's just two or three wrestlers. I'd just like to see him more on TV. I'd like to see him with anybody but Roman. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love him being with Brock, even though people are sick of Brock right now. I think the relationship there has such a history, and we'll talk more again about that later, that it's it's so nice to see that continue because so few things have gone on that long in wrestling, especially in WWE. Like you kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, they don't always – harken back to their history. They don't always make note of it or acknowledge it. No. With the Heyman and Brock Lesnar relationship, they do recognize it, and I like that. Well, and I'll give you a perfect example. The match I'm looking most forward to at SummerSlam is Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe had a, another great promo on, on Tuesday night in SmackDown. But I guarantee you there will be no mention that Samoa Joe and AJ Styles have met in some great matches uh, in the past. Now, like, WWE could even just say that. They've had great matches in the past in other promotions. They obviously won't say specifically TNA, but they had great matches in TNA. Oh, so I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that this match this weekend is going to live up to that. 
you know that triple threat. I love that triple threat that they were a part of in TNA. One of the best ones of all time, of course, with my boy, Christopher say. Daniels. I'm repping him. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it, when they meet up again, it should be great. Obviously, it's a little different because there's restrictions that they probably didn't have before, but we'll have to see. I'm not going to try to prejudge it. I'm just going to wipe the canvas of expectations and just let my mind go, and we'll see how it turns out. I'm optimistic, though. Yeah. Cautiously <laughs> optimistic. Uh, of course, everybody's also looking forward to Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss. Um, Ronda was great for a different reason this week. So, yeah, they had Ronda open up Raw and come out with a heartfelt message in support of Natty, who in storyline is one of our best friends, who might be her good friend backstage too, but in the story, she's her best friend. And, of course, unfortunately, Jim Neidhart passed away this week mm -hmm. and it's so sad and natty's always been a favorite of mine so Rhonda had the really difficult task of basically giving her condolences and saying a speech about natty and about her dad you know the anvil live on raw in front of a crowd and that could have gone terribly and that's a hard position to be in because you have to come off as sympathetic and I'm sure she really was, but you have to have that come across. You can't seem scripted and forced. And she did such a good job for being such a new performer and, you know, not very experienced on the mic. This was impressive. And a lot of superstars would have had a difficult time. Superstars that have been on the roster a lot longer than her might have had a harder time. Yep, she was uh, really good, and she's been really good so far in the ring, and we'll see if uh, she can continue that with her big match against Alexa Bliss. That's just one of the matches we're going to talk about with our good friend from mybookie.ag, Rafael Esparza, as uh, he gets us all the betting lines for SummerSlam. The, the lineup is great as, as, as it is on paper. Might be even more fun if you had some money on it. So uh, let's go through some of the lines. Here's Rafael Esparza and I a little while ago discussing SummerSlam. Well, Rafael, we might as well start with uh, Ronda Rousey and... Uh, a lot of people expecting that she is going to uh, capture the, the women's title, and you are certainly one of them by the odds you've posted on that. Yeah, I mean, we have Ronda minus $6. It, it, it's very interesting to see what really happens now with the sad news with Natalia and Jim and Nightheart uh, passing away all, all this week. Because rumored had it that, that there was pretty much going to be a feud with Ronda Rousey and Natalia. So I don't know how soon Natalia is going to be able to come back. So it would not actually shock me that Alexa Bliss wins this and maybe they make uh, a Hell in a Cell match with them two or, or a third person and maybe Ronda wins it that way. I still think Ronda Rousey wins it just because we've, we've had this discussion before. She wants to have a baby. She's not going to be here that long. Would not be shocked if she's only there till WrestleMania. So give her the belt so she can hold it for a couple of months. I think Ronda Rousey minus $6 is the favorite, but would not – it would not shock me if uh, Miss Bliss uh, retains the title, but minus $6, the public likes it, and I still think that's the way to go. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. I, I wouldn't be uh, opposed to maybe putting a, a couple bucks on Alexa Bliss. I could see her winning by some so, sort of uh, chicanery, and that'd be a nice little payday if you yeah, were with I, Alexa Bliss. I couldn't agree more with you. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the, uh, the Money in the Bank contract match. You've got Braun Strowman as a huge favorite. Uh, no real surprise there. Yeah, this match is, is match of the night in my book, and, and this match right here is going to determine if I'm going to think SummerSlam was really, really good or SummerSlam was really, really bad, because I think whoever wins this match uses the contract 
and is going to be the heavyweight champion on Monday Night Raw. I would love to see Kevin Owens at plus 220 win it just because I think the options that the WWE will have of Kevin Owens is a champion. He can feud with Braun Strowman a little bit longer. He can feud with Roman Reigns. He could feud. Now you can throw in Finn Balor in the mix for the, the, the title. Uh, I just think there's so many better options if you give the belt to Kevin Owens than if you just gave it to Braun Strowman. Then that means he's only going to really feud with Roman Reigns for a while. And then I just don't see anybody else that's going to be close to him in his size to give him a problem maybe to lose the belt. So I think whoever wins this match is going to be the heavyweight championship on Monday. I'm going to go out of the ring. I've seen Kevin Owens plus 220. I think he upsets Braun Strowman. I'll tell you what, I've said it uh, multiple times. <laughs> Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman could have a feud for the next year, and I'd be happy because the interaction has been so good. Uh, well, you said you thought that might be the match of the night. I, I want to take you to what I think is going to be the match of the night, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, and you've got the money pretty close on this one. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, Samoa Joe – Great, great ring work. Love him on the mic. I just don't think they're, he's ready to take that next step and win this match. I think he'll be a heavyweight champion, and I still think AJ Styles is going to be on Monday Night Raw. If this was, if the draft was this coming Monday, then I would say Samoa Joe wins and Styles goes to Monday Night Raw. I don't see uh, Samoa Joe winning this. Give me AJ Styles minus one six, and then I see this feud going on. This is going to be a. I can't wait to watch this feud in Hell in a Cell. I mean, yes, SummerSlam is the big blockbuster of the summer, but if AJ Styles and Samoa Joe in a Hell in a Cell match, I'm excited for that one more than the SummerSlam match. Yeah, they've got a great history back in the TNA. I didn't even watch a lot of TNA, but when those two got together, they made for great matches. Well, you talked about long feuds. A feud that's been building up for a couple of years, Daniel Bryan and The Miz, how do you see this one shaking out? <clears throat> this one seems kind of long. Not, not lost, but I just don't see the oomph on it, which everyone thought it was going to be. I think the Miz wins it. He's the hot guy on the roster of the TV show, Brand New Dad. I just don't see him losing this match. I think Daniel Bryan will maybe get his revenge, maybe at Hell in a Cell, maybe at a WrestleMania event. But I, I just don't see Daniel Bryan winning this match, A, just because I still don't know what's his contract going on. His contract is up. People don't know if he's going to re-sign uh, for that full-time contract. So I think right now, with the Miz being hot, uh, I love the Miz on the mic. I think he's he's he could be that next heat John Cena person to carry uh, the torch. Uh, I like the Miz in this spot. Give me the minus one thirty five. I, I know the crowd wants Daniel Bryan to win. I know they want that revenge spot, but I don't see it happening here. Give me the Miz minus one thirty five on the short. All right, let's get to the Universal Title match. I think most people assume Roman Reigns is going to walk out of SummerSlam the champion, and by the numbers, you would agree. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret uh, Brock Lesnar is is going to UFC, but I heard that he has a meeting coming up really soon uh, about his WWE future. I mean, if you're Vince McMahon, wouldn't you love for marketing and advertising if <laughs> if, if Brock Lesnar is fighting uh, DC Cormier in a UFC ring and he's still the heavyweight champion of WWE? Talk about great marketing and advertising right there. I don't think that happens. I think Roman Reigns wins this match at minus $3, but then he loses it quickly, and whoever wins... Uh, the Braun Strowman match. So I think Roman Reigns would be the heavyweight champion, just like in, uh, uh, when he beat Brock Lesnar before, he loses his belt really quickly. And I like the props that we just put up over at my book that I posted early this morning. You can bet the over, under, how many Superman punches, five and a half. I had to make a stipulation that he connected, and that's thrown, because a couple of times I watched a couple of matches that he missed uh, on Brock Lesnar, so I didn't want people to say, well, he threw it, but yeah, but he missed. 
So over under five and a half. I still like the over on that one. And you notice know it's going to be a bloodbath. You know there's blood going to be on there. So I had to put something on there. Will either Lesnar or Reigns show blood in this match? Yes, is minus $5. So maybe do a little parlay. Roman Reigns, winner, minus $3. And yes, we'll see blood, minus $5. I, I love the prop bets. Uh, I think those are going to be as, as popular as anything uh, for, for this show and for most of the betting going forward. Uh, I, I do want to ask you, just uh, talk about my bookie and uh, what kind of promotions we got going on as uh, we head into football season. Yeah, we got some great promotions going on. I think it's a, a $1,000 sign-up bonus. If you sign up, uh, with, uh, put in a deposit, and they'll match it up uh, up to 50% as of right now. They'll probably change probably when football gets closer. Uh, we have the 25% reload bonus right now if you already have an account right now. And if you're looking to bet these wrestling uh, props just go under uh, wrestling. We have all the props on in there. If you want to follow any of the line movements on the wrestling stuff, you can follow either myself at VSI Doc Sports on Twitter, or you can follow Bet Celebs uh, on Twitter. That that does all the pop culture and the wrestling stuff on there for line movement and all that. So it's a great way to stuff like that. But yeah, uh, my book is doing some great stuff, especially on football right now. You have total season wins still going around. I can't believe week two of preseasons this week. Uh, college football is just around the corner. It's going to be a crazy time for us over here at my, at my bookie. Well, that's great. And remember, if you don't have an account, you can get one using our promo code, Kick It, and, uh, and uh, get signed up and uh, help out the show. Raphael, it's going to be a great SummerSlam. I hope you get a chance to sit back and enjoy it. We certainly will. And uh, thanks for joining us once again. Not a problem. Thanks for always having me on. And don't forget to use that uh, promo code, Kick It. Kick it. Yeah, don't forget to use that promo code up there. If you want to sign up for my book, you just use that, use that promo code and you can jump on all these wrestling stuff. And then you can also jump on all these football stuff. Great time, great time to sign up at my bookie right now. Yes, it is. Thanks a lot, Raphael. Take it easy, guys. Well, you know, people sometimes complain about WWE programming and WWE pay-per-views, how sometimes they're hard to sit through and watch. Well, why not make it more interesting and, like you said, when we went into the interview, more fun and play some bets. <laughs> then you're actively invested in what's happening and it'll make things a lot more interesting so the way to do that and to support our show so if you love our show and if you're gonna bet anyway and you want to make it interesting go to mybookie.ag and sign up and when you sign up there's a little place where you could enter a promo code enter the promo code kick it k-i-c-k-i-t and that benefits us two-faced wrestling talk if you again type in the code kick it uh, we would love it if you did that Really would help us out, and I think you'd have some fun, and you could make money. And I think with the prop bets, that makes it even more interesting. Over under on the number of Superman punches that connects. He's he's putting the number at five and a half. Over. You're going ridiculous over. amount. Ridiculous. <laughs> and I don't think there's any way that there's not blood in this match. So yeah, you can you can see by the re the, the way he put the big odds on blood that blood is a likely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was in their WrestleMania match. Yeah. And I think in their WrestleMania 31 match as well, not mm -hmm. just the most recent one, but even going back that far to their first meeting. So I expect it here. So, again, get on uh, mybookie.ag and enter the promo code KICKIT, and you can participate in all the SummerSlam fun. But before SummerSlam, of course, is NXT TakeOver Brooklyn number 4. And uh, really five great matches. Not much on uh, NXT's TV show other than setting up the Shayna Baszler-Kyrie Sane match. And you loved the Kyrie Sane uh, submission move where she looked back at Shayna Baszler. 
She looked back and she pointed right at her. I really liked that different side of Zane. It was really cool, and I think we're going to see an awesome, even, let's say, brutal match, possibly, at TakeOver. Another thing I'm looking forward to is EC3 and the Dream. It's going to be great. Velveteen Dream's on fire. He's one of the best characters that they have in NXT. And I love his ridiculous jean jacket and jeans and fanny pack. A lot of people on Twitter were saying it was an ode to Scott Hall or something, possibly. Because it really did. He looked like him. Yeah, EC3 calling out the fanny pack. Uh, Takeover is going to be awesome. Gargano Champa. I know we've had a bunch of those. But look, they're great together in the ring. I know circumstances have forced this to happen, but it's going to be a great match. Yeah, it'll probably be pretty good. A lot of people are excited about it. Me, I'm just not as invested in them. I'm not going to say they've met too many times because somebody like Okada and Omega have met a lot of times, but I'm more invested in them personally, so I don't mind it as much. So this just, the reason why I'm not as excited is because I'm not as invested in these people. But I know it's going to be a great match regardless. Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era will be a great match as well. And then, of course, Adam Cole versus Ricochet, to me, is the match I'm most looking forward to. I'd have to agree with a close second, like I said, EC3 and Velveteen Dream. Let's change gears and go to Impact. And, boy, talk about two of the best in the business. We seem to talk about Sammy Callahan every week. But let's talk about him, but also Phoenix. What a great match in Phoenix. Really, if people don't know who he is, he is just awesome. He really is quite the athlete, and everyone knows who's been listening to our podcast regularly, I'm really a huge fan of Sammy Callahan right now. Everything he's doing is great, and to me, he is the reason to watch Impact Wrestling. Much like Broken Matt back in the day when he was in then TNA, he was the reason why you should watch. He carried the company on his back. Now it's Sammy kind of taking the company on his back, I think, being the most compelling character, in my opinion. Of course, that's subjective, but I think he's the best thing that they got going right now. I thought it was so gross, but it was so him that he basically spit in his hand. Sick. And then, like... Hang it over your head? <laughs> yeah, gross. I hated that. He basically drank his own spit. Blah, 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 blah. I can't even think about it without wanting to barf. But that is so Sammy. And <laughs> it's perfect for him. Uh, I love the haircut. I love... Just kind of goes with his attitude. I knew the haircut wouldn't really damage his look. It's awesome. It almost makes him even more creepy looking. What do you think? Yeah, he's great. Uh, and setting up next week a Mexican death match against Pentagon. We'll see what that entails. Uh, but back to Phoenix. So many great spots, and they gave almost a half hour to the, the the match to kick off Impact. Phoenix's twisting cutter where he vaults himself over the ropes and hits the cutter, and that wasn't even the finishing move. So good. So Phoenix is now going to get an X Division title shot against Brian Cage. I think that'll be a great match as well. I do. I love Brian Cage. I think he's a great athlete, and... Of course, their meetup's going to be super athletic and really fun to watch. Because, I mean, look at that Sammy Callahan match with Phoenix. That was great. So I know that that other match with Cage is going to be also as good. As great as all that was, let's, oh, uh, let's hit on the video segment to end the Street Fight LAX versus the OGs. It's the streets are, streets are listening as the streets of... Toronto were in the background, <laughs> kind of all ridiculous. I thought, 
I look, I appreciate the effort, but boy, that was all terrible. It was like one of those breakdancing competition movies. I can't remember the name of it. Like, break it down. I can't even remember. Anyway, it was like that, like, where two rival, like, gangs are coming at each other. And I don't know. It's so ridiculous. And at one point, they replaced one of the guys with a flipping mannequin <laughs> when they were about to drive the railroad spike. And it was so obviously replaced by a dummy. That was crazy. I did like the end, though. I liked the end with Conan. I think... You know, that was kind of powerful. I guess, but it was uh, it was all pretty terrible. It seemed like a more violent version of Michael Jackson's Beat It video. So uh, not the greatest ending, especially since we've talked how great LAX and OGs were back at Slammiversary. Well, a lot of Impact stars are actually going to be at All In and a part of StarCast. But not only Impact stars, Ring of Honor stars, New Japan stars, and guess what? Us. Yeah, the biggest stars of all. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish, and you wish, but no, we're just happy to be included and to be a part of this once-in-a-lifetime historic event, because even if it happens again, there's only one first, and we're a part of the first one, and that's something really special. And we talked about how special StarCast was when I was a guest on my good friend John's podcast. You could find him on Twitter, at the Wrestling EST. And also follow him at Team Left Jab. Check it out there. I will tweet out when it's available to listen to. We talked about how revolutionary this event is. And also how much credit has to be given to people like Conrad Thompson for specifically StarCast. Somebody who's really risen in the podcast ranks with all of his work with different wrestlers and wrestling personalities. Like Eric Bischoff, like Bruce Pritchard. Man, he was so smart to come up with this idea of doing a podcasting wrestling convention because that's something really special and something that has really taken off recently. There's tons of wrestling podcasts, not just us. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to meet up with all these people and meet them face-to-face, the people we've been talking to on Twitter all along. Well, and he said on the conference call, and I've been a part of these multiple times, he envisioned it being like Radio Row at the Super Bowl which if you've ever seen media coverage of the Super Bowl, there's an area at the convention center or the hotel that, that whatever town they're in, that's just radio station after radio station. They're constantly trying to bring over guests. They're doing their shows. And that's on a smaller scale because there's only so many spots that they're allocating each day, and we're one of those on Saturday. But same thing. There's going to be people coming and going, and we're going to have a chance to do so many interviews whether it's stars, fans, other journalists, it's, it's going to be great. Yeah, and we're doing a live show from there. It should all be a lot of fun. Um, lots of planning is going to have to go into it. We're trying to get stickers made, too, so look out for that. That should be a lot of fun. If, if you're going, please try to find us on Podcast Row, which is also sponsored by Buffalo Wild Wings. We'll be on Podcast Row on Saturday. Saturday is the day of All In. Now, the only thing that's a bummer is that there's a – basically an outside party happening at pro wrestling tees that same day it's called all out like some stars are going to be there if you guys are going to that please also try to go to starcast because we'd love to meet you in person and say hi and there's going to be a lot of fun events and let me just go through a few of the events i'm looking forward to if you guys don't mind just kind of humor me here uh i also talked about these events with john and before i get into the events let me preface this with he said that he's excited for the card of all in 
especially this week was announced Kenny Omega versus Pentagon Jr. To me, that's the biggest match of the whole thing. Absolutely, and Brian Cage is all in now. Yeah, he's just announced as well. I'm really excited for that. But he was saying how the build and the card wasn't what he expected. At first he was disappointed, but then now he's getting more excited. And I said, okay, I know a lot of people might be disappointed, but they need to go and try to find the behind-the-scenes stories, like the Nick Aldis-Cody match. You could find a lot about that if you go to NWA's YouTube channel. Just type in NWA Wrestling on YouTube and you'll find their channel. They've got a lot of build to this all-in show and this NWA World's Heavyweight title match with Cody on their YouTube. Also, Cody Rhodes has a YouTube called All Us. And stay tuned to Be in the Elite, all of that. You can basically find out what's happening with this all-in show, and then it has storyline woven into that stuff. So check that out. And once I explained that to him, he said, oh, well, I'm going to go check that out and learn more. <laughs> so here we go. StarCast is also packed, much like All In. It's packed with awesome events and things that are happening. On Thursday, I'm looking forward to Elite Karaoke with Marty Skrull, the Monday Night Wars debate with Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff, um, Papa Buck Jam Session, and Papa Buck is uh, the Young Buck's dad. I'm a big fan of live music, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait. Then on Friday, I'm really excited about... I'd rather it was Papa Roach <laughs> or, or Buck Cherry. How about that? I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, the Empty Arena Match Retrospective with Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk, that'll be on Friday. That should be very interesting, actually, by the way. Then I think what everyone's looking forward to, the all-in, weigh-in, and press conference. Obviously, it's going to be similar to a real weigh-in for real sports, or real fighting sports, and we're going to get a little bit of hype the night before the show. Absolutely. And again, if, if you want to see what the complete schedule is, just go to StarCast.com, and uh, you can see the complete schedule for... All four days, and it, it is nonstop. Yeah. There, there's plenty to choose from, and you mentioned that that other uh, event at Pro Wrestling Tees. There's plenty of time to do all this stuff. You, you, if you, if you're going, you can pack a lot into four days. I <laughs> hope so. And some other stuff that jumps out at me is, man, I really, really am looking forward to remembering Andy Kaufman with Jerry Lawler. And uh, Bill Apter, that should be so much fun and so interesting, too. Andy Kaufman was such, in a way, just like this event, he was revolutionary because he had the knowledge to use the whole scripted nature of wrestling and use that to his benefit. How crazy was that, that David Letterman thing that they did, mm-hmm. you know, live? And everyone was like, what the heck is going on? And if you look at the Jim Carrey documentary on Netflix, that's even more layers to this crazy story where when Jim Carrey was in character as Andy Kaufman, he was being really mean to Jerry Lawler. And Jerry Lawler was freaked out by this because he actually, in real life, got along great with the real Andy Kaufman. So hopefully he'll address all of this at this panel. I cannot wait. I'm so looking forward to more information. I I may drag my butt out of bed and go do some DDP yoga. Me too. I'm looking forward to that. I've done DDP yoga. It's a lot of fun, and he's got some good ab exercises too. Might be the only exercise we get that weekend. Maybe so. so. It's going to be so busy, we will have no other chance. (laughs) And then the death of WCW panel, that looks really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then finally, on the last day, I think the thing... Oh, God. I don't even... I I just looked at... This the first time I looked at the schedule, and I already know what it's going to be. You do? From 1230 to 2 o'clock. 
Those are... What? What? Story time with the young bucks? No, that's not what I'm most looking forward to. Uh, I find that hard to believe. Macaulay Culkin! <laughs> like I've been saying, everyone's been wondering what I've been looking forward to about Starcast. I'm sorry, I'm a huge fan of Macaulay Culkin. I need to know. We did that pop culture wrestling crossover question with... The whole question was, okay, you're Kevin McAllister. You want to protect your house against the Sticky Bandits. You could recruit any wrestlers to help protect your house. Who do you recruit and why? I want to find out Macaulay's answer. Somehow, someway, please let me get this interview. But on Sunday, he's doing a live podcast taping of his podcast. It's called Bunny Ears, and it'll be live. Also, um, I am looking forward to story time. I'm sure you I'm not are. trying to sell it short, but Macaulay's my, my boy. Yes. So, yeah, it should be a fun weekend. Busy, but fun. Hopefully, we'll get to taste some of that Chicago food. Oh, some deep dish pizza from Lou Malnati's, some uh, <laughs> Italian beef sandwiches. Heck, even the Boston Red Sox are playing in Chicago yep. that weekend. So, we're sneaking away to the south side and uh, going to check out the Sox. The good but, Sox versus the bad Sox. But, again, <laughs> I had so much fun talking with my friend John. Check him out at the Wrestling EST and keep tuned to my Twitter at SuperKickingIt because I will tweet out the link to the interview. I had so much fun talking to him and we really went even more way in depth than that about why All In is important in terms of wrestling popularity and the non-WWE wrestling scene being at the highest popularity it's ever been and I think it's a lot because of this event and the Bucks and Omega and Cody and we talk all about that so yeah, it, stay tuned. It's a big event, and we're looking forward to being there, and we look forward to meeting you there. But another big event is coming up this weekend. It is SummerSlam. But before we look ahead, we're going to look back. When we come back, we're super kicking it old school. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our awesome wrestling logo is by artist Eric Hodson. You could check him out at erichodson.storeenvy.com, where he has tons of other wrestling artwork. He really is an incredible artist. His Twitter handle is at Dreaded Dinosaur, which is named after his comic series, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, which you can find on webtoons.com. Thanks, Eric. We really love your logo. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk, and now it's the debut of our new segment, Super Kicking It Old School. Okay, and now this segment... When we do it sporadically, we're going to be looking back at old matches in wrestling history. It doesn't have to be specifically WWE. It doesn't have to be specifically a certain year or whatever, or a thematic, you know, instance. Like, we're doing SummerSlam right now because obviously SummerSlam's coming up. But sometimes it'll just be random stuff that we pick out of nowhere. But this was obviously perfect to focus on this week. But it could be from any year, but the whole rules about this segment is it can't be from this calendar year. It has to be at least a year old. That's my rule I'm making. But for this, we've looked back at a couple of SummerSlams. We've looked at back at 
SummerSlam 2000, 2001, 2002, 2008, and 2013. Now, we picked these because uh, we kind of looked at, at several rankings lists to just get, get a sense of what people thought were the best SummerSlams. I've seen most, not all of them. I, I, I know there was a stretch where I missed a couple. Um, but these are... You, we went through, I believe, five top ten lists or whatever, and we, we did. and we took the ones that appeared the most in the top three to top five, and that's how we kind of chose the ones we've decided to to go through. and And some of these have tie-ins even into this year's SummerSlam, which is cool too. But uh, we released a poll as well. So yes, not only did we look at lists, but this poll we wanted to gauge what our listeners thought was their favorite or the best SummerSlam in history. So we said, okay, so in honor of the new segment, which SummerSlam do you think is best? Vote below. Feel free to elaborate. The reason why we picked them, like we said, were because they appeared on so many top five lists. If your favorite isn't listed, we said to leave it in the comments. So we listed 2002, 2013, and 1992. Now let's preface this with we did not watch fully 1992 we started to watch some of it but uh you know that's just not one of my favorites personally looking back it didn't capture me but i understand why it's important and why it's one of the best of all time well the spectacle of it first of all of course. And, and where it was yes you know. and did have some great matches yeah i'm ultimate warrior versus the macho man that was that was obviously the marquee match but and you know being at the old wembley stadium i mean it's it was a spectacular venue but the card as a whole as we went back to look at it we're like eh. some of the early matches yeah they were like eh. whereas there's a lot more stacked summer slams that happened way later and that's just how wrestling became more of like a spectacle as it got like later and later styles of wrestling changes and sometimes when you're watching old wrestling to me it's like watching a black and white movie you have to be in a mood to do it and that's just because the viewpoint that we're looking at it from right now is so much different than when it was actually happening mm-hmm. back then. And like any medium of art, it changes throughout the years. So uh, here we go, and the results were the winner was 2002 with 43%. Coming in second was 1992, like we were just saying. Not our favorite, but lots of people's favorites. Uh, and then third, 2013. Some other people said other, and they elaborated why. Like I know we had somebody say... Uh, 1992, first WWE pay-per-view I watched. I was seven years old. From LOD to the finish line of the IC title match, I, I will always remember. And that was from at SCWP514. And uh, Mark Andre uh, said, uh, 2002 was the year I started wrestling, so that year has a soft spot in my heart. Well, boy, if that's the, the first pay-per-view... You watched what a good one to watch because that's that's hailed as one of the best ones as you saw by our poll and by us as we uh, watched just because it was so stacked. Yep, and then at Deej Kirkby says, 92 for me, Wembley Stadium, LOD riding down to the rings on motorcycles, Bret Hart versus the Bulldog headlining, Bulldog winning the title in front of 80,000 of his people. Yeah, that was special. Somebody even said 97. Then we've got 98, which 98 was on a lot of lists, too. We just didn't get to rewatching that one because mm-hmm. we had so much. <laughs> we watched. Tell them how much what wrestling we watched this weekend. Oh, there was one stretch in 24 hours. I think 12 of them were watching wrestling. It either, was. Either 
New Japan or watching one of these old SummerSlams or our local promotion here in town. Wildcat Wrestling. Wildcat Wrestling. Live. We went to a show for three hours. So, Uh yeah, it was all wrestling. So, we just didn't get to 98 even though we wanted to. I've seen it before, but just not in a while. So, uh, at M-I-L Hustles says 1994. It was the year I became a wrestling fan, and I loved the new generation. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were and still are my favorites. To be a kid again. You're getting the sense that a lot of people... Are nostalgic. Are nostalgic because this was when they kind of were getting into uh, wrestling. At the broadcast, personal favorites are SummerSlam 98, Triple H versus The Rock, ladder match, and then Austin versus Undertaker, and then SummerSlam 2004, Chris Benoit and Randy Orton. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Benoit's wrestling, so yeah, I, I enjoy that one too, but again, just his wrestling, so don't get upset. Uh, another one for 1998 at C-O-L-O-H-U-E. Uh, 98 was my favorite first show I ever saw, and certain matches like Rock, Triple H, and a ladder match were just great and memorable. And this I agree with. Carl at CareLaw86 said, I enjoyed SummerSlam 2000, Rock versus Angle versus Triple H in a triple threat. TLC number one, 2001 has Taker Kane versus DDP Canyon. I didn't like that match in the 2001 SummerSlam. That's actually my least favorite match because I hate the DDP stalker angle. But anyway, uh, 2003 had the Elimination Chamber match, which he loved. Uh, And then he said those are his personal favorite SummerSlam matches for those years. And finally, at AstroZombie92 says, 2002 was absolutely stacked from top to bottom and the best. I'd also add SummerSlam 89, but mostly for nostalgic reasons. I don't care what anyone says. The Hulk versus Zeus feud was fun. <laughs> Zeus. God, that is taking me back. So, yeah, like like he kind of said it best. So 2002 was the most stacked technically, and I think a lot of people agree with that. Mm-hmm. But people have their nostalgic favorites, which we saw in this poll. Um, a lot of people said that reason for their picks. And, and I can totally understand that. I personally really like SummerSlam 2001, even though it's not the most lauded. But it's one of my favorites because I love, you know, Angle. I'm really a Kurt Angle person. In fact, a few weeks ago, I I like this comparison. So I talk about people are either Beatles fans or Rolling Stone fans. Well, just like that, some people are either Shawn Michaels fans or Kurt Angle's fans. So I love that main event with Kurt Angle versus Stone Cold, and that was uh, SummerSlam 2001. Plus a whole bunch of other underrated matches lower on the card. There was a great Chris Jericho versus Rhino match with some hilarious Stephanie involvement that was ridiculous. Yeah. Just some good stuff. Jeff Hardy versus RVD. Mm-hmm. Great match. So let's go through some of the other ones that are also on our list. Well, and the other th- thing, looking back on all these SummerSlams, is how much of an imprint on SummerSlam Brock Lesnar has had through the years. And some of these ones that we did look back at, including 2002, 2013, but even ones we didn't look back at, like 2014. Yeah, 2014 with his brutal match against John Cena. I love that. And something that's prominent in some of Brock Lesnar's SummerSlam appearances is his relationship with Paul Heyman. Like, go back to 2002, and Heyman's pumping him up and promoting him as the next big thing. And this is kind of like Brock's first big win at a huge pay-per-view, kind of cementing him as a main event player and a new guy to kind of look out for yeah and that, that was against rock yeah that was a great match against the rock uh rock uh puts Heyman through the table with the rock bottom you know they in addition to that they exchange rock bottoms uh brock turning rock in winning the title uh with the f5 it was uh 
the beginning of the next big thing. Yeah, and Heyman was heavily involved in what was happening, as we saw again in 2013, which, by the way, I've said this before, 2013, CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar is one of my favorite matches. And, you know, I've got a lot of favorite matches, but, <laughs> but this I've gone back and watched at least five times, and every time I enjoy watching it because there was story, great acting by everyone involved. You know, Brock wasn't what we see now. He was really into delivering in the match, performance-wise. Like, you could tell he wanted to have a good match, and that showed. The story was just, I think, the biggest selling point out of all those points I just mentioned, and I loved... Punk playing up the whole Heyman betrayal angle. Trying to get his hands on him. Yeah, like time and time again. And basically, Heyman's safety was in question multiple times <laughs> in the match. Like he was, his tie was being pulled on, so he was like getting choked. Uh, it was awesome. Just so many moments. And will we see something like that happen again this year? We, we can only hope. I, I, the other one from that, because there were some different moves from Brock in that too. It's yeah. not this. And you even said, you used the line, I miss this Brock Lesnar. I do. That was a line. He had that double stomp on CM Punk, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And he was kind of smaller back then. I mean, he was buff, but like he just seemed more like compact, if that makes sense. Uh, and I think maybe that had to do with like kind of his speedier style. Also, he was younger, of course. We're talking about uh, 2013. That's five years ago. So... It a lot feels, can happen in five years. I know. It feels like a lot farther back. <laughs> but again, like I said, as much as things have changed since then, a lot of things are the same with the involvement of Heyman. And you know what? I think that they're kind of lacking in this year's build. An awesome video package looking back at the relationship between Brock and Heyman. Because, you know, they teased the breakup. When he was doing that interview, Heyman, I'm talking about, with Renee Young, they should have showed, like, a video package to be all nostalgic. Because when we thought they were breaking up, it should have showed, like, all the great moments with them, like, you know, coming out together, like, staring and glaring at people. Uh, well, going back to that 2002, yeah. going back to the betrayal of CM Punk, all that stuff, I think, would be tremendous. It would be similar to what they did with The Miz and Daniel Bryan this yeah. week on SmackDown. I, I think that was a missed opportunity. I would have loved to have seen that because they're so good at video packages. And Brock and Heyman, that's one of my favorite relationships in WWE. And like I said, they always, you know, they don't always harken back to history, but they do with Brock and Heyman, and I like that. But they could have done it more with that video package, so missed opportunity there. But let's look at more matches. So... Also in 2013, Daniel Bryan and Cena. Love that match. So Upon rewatching, it was way better than I thought. I loved it. Yeah, and it was so long. Yeah. It was such a both long... both events, the Brock CM Punk and the Daniel Bryan John Cena match were like 25 minutes each at least. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh that also had the uh the Bray Wyatt and Kane uh, Ring of Fire match which underrated. I, yeah, uh going back and watching that, I didn't remember it being as good as it was and the visuals of the flames were incredible. It really was. It made for some artistic camera shots for sure. Really looked, as I said in my Wrestling Inc. ranking video, undeniably cool for sure. And uh, let's move on now to SummerSlam 2008. Now, this was a weird SummerSlam in that it had like a blockbuster theme, but it wasn't in California. <laughs> it was so in Indianapolis. I didn't like that. It was kind of weird. Um, but they had some good matches. So CM Punk versus JBL was really good, except I'm not the hugest JBL fan. It was entertaining and hard-hitting, like most JBL matches are. Um, and, man, Punk was busted open, bleeded from the head. 
And it was a shorter match than I remembered, so, but Punk retained, which was the right move in that instance. Then we saw one of my favorite matches of that show, Batista versus John Cena, their first matchup. Which is interesting because of the whole blockbuster theme and both will end up going on to Hollywood. And at that time, we didn't have any idea that that was kind of a dream of Batista's. No. At least I don't think he made that known No, back I don't then. think so. So kind of funny that now we're both seeing them as huge movie stars. But as I said in last week's Closing Out the Show, Batiste is my favorite actor that has come out of WWE because he's so believable and his acting's not as corny as some of the others. And um, it was their first matchup, like I said, but uh, they both ended up getting hurt after this match, mm -hmm. weirdly enough. So it was cool to see them because they were such big guys. Now, the match isn't going to be a technical classic lauded over no. for years and years, but still a fun rewatch. And then, of course, uh, Edge and Undertaker. Best match on the show, of course. Right, right. so good. And the story was there. And again, like, like yeah, there's a Daniel Bryan Miz story this year, but there's nothing to the level of something like this Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker and Edge. The whole Vicky Guerrero angle, so well done. And the facial expressions and the promos that Edge was cutting leading into this match, amazing. One of a kind. That's why, you know, Edge is not my favorite, but I can't deny he's one of the greatest of all time because of stuff like this match and the build to this match. Well, let's go to 2002 now. And, uh, you know, we're going to rank these in a minute, but uh, this you saw in our poll, this is everybody's favorite. This is personally my favorite because it was just such a deep SummerSlam. I mean, you're going one of the earliest matches in the show was Rey Mysterio and Kurt Angle. And then you've got Jericho and Flair. And again, we're still talking the first hour yeah. of the show. I mean, it just keeps getting better and better. I, like I said earlier in the show, I like Chris Benoit as a wrestler. So he faced RVD. That was amazing. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, as you mentioned, People love that match. They talk about it as one of the best matches ever. Shawn Michaels coming back after such a long time and having that match against his good friend. And the story was there, too. Again, some common threads we're seeing when we're looking back at these SummerSlams. Story. Right. Story was so important in all of these high-quality matches. Is the story the same level for Brock and Roman right now? It's... it's The deep, history's there. It's deep, but, you know, obviously, Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels go back so much farther um but it, that was just such a good match but we had a discussion during the match that i thought was interesting uh because of the blading yes let's talk and, about that and, and was there too much blood um we're neither of us is the squeamish type so let's let's preface that i've got no problem with blading and bleeding but it it almost was just over the top which was kind of prevalent in that time and, and like we said, you know, we were just talking about it a few minutes ago, wrestling changing over time. And basically, something that seemed appropriate back in the day may not feel right now. So, like, looking back, the chair shot that caused Triple H to be busted open, which in actuality was him bleeding, I'm sure, um, it just looks so absurd that he's bleeding that much over a chair shot. Whereas, if he was rubbed... His head was rubbed against a steel cage. That would be more believable to me. But just being hit in the head with a chair, I don't know. Maybe if it was an elbow or something, I could see it more so. It just seemed like an absurd amount of blood that it wasn't needed for the match to be great. The match would have been just as impactful without the blading, I'll tell in my you, opinion. I'll tell you what else was great in that match. JR. Oh, yeah. That was JR in his prime and when he was so great. Uh, 
just so descriptive uh, after uh, the sledgehammer shot saying that Triple H is going to rot in hell. <laughs> oh, God, that was amazing. And, you know, this is the JR, like the Brock I love, the JR that I love. So we've been critical of him. Right. But with that the reminded, New Japan stuff. Right, which I think that criticism was justified. I do, because I'm not taking anything away. He is a legend, and pay-per-view calls like this are the reason why he's a legend and should always be respected. Look, he's the soundtrack of the famous Hell in a Cell match. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those great rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin matches, uh, the rise of Undertaker's prevalence. He and Jerry Lawler, you know, are, are as much a part of that time as, as Rock and Triple H and all those guys because they were so instrumental. But I do uh, want to hearken to something about how uh, things change and perspectives change. That's going to be my closing out the show. Uh, something that happened on one of these pay per views that we're. We're reviewing that wouldn't fly these days. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so now let's go to SummerSlam 2000. And, of course, this was the insane spot by Shane McMahon, like, falling off of the Titantron thing. And, oh, that was crazy. Like, okay, so I've seen him jump off the hell in the cell. I've seen him do so much crazy things since then. But you know a spot is impactful when... Even after seeing it multiple times, you still cringe and, like, go, oh, you know, and it scares you. That's what that was like, seeing that again. I still jumped. I still cringed. And it still holds up to this day, and it's still scary. Great match between uh, Y2J and Chris Benoit there. A oh, two yeah. out of three falls match. Kind of a brutal match there, too. Hard hitting, and it started fast, too. I loved it. Um, you know, that feud, we were asked about, some of our favorite feuds last week, and that was a choice. I picked that as one of my favorite feuds out of the choices that were provided. I love whenever Jericho met up with Benoit because they were friends in real life, and whenever you're friends in real life, hearkening to what we were just talking about with Triple H and Shawn Michaels, usually friends hit the hardest, and they want to perform the best when they're working together. So that really comes across in their matches together, I think. Of course, the TLC match, the dawning of a new era, and boy... Some of the spots, I still to this day, same thing. Jeff Hardy going to the top of that ladder and that ladder wobbling like, oh my God, I'm thinking, oh my God, the disaster that could happen here. Matt falling into the table and his head being like close to the barricade and Lita getting speared basically into the edge of the ladder that was laying on the ground. Yeah. Insane. Just, just insane brutality. And they set the stage for so many other great matches with uh, the Dudleys and Edge and Christian and the Hardys. First of many great, great TLC matches. Kane versus Undertaker. That was okay. Yeah, the Undertaker, uh, the lamest of his entrances when it wasn't even, it wasn't the dead man. It wasn't the cool American badass at that point. It was just kind of him riding a motorcycle in to some sort of generic music. Uh, But the main event, Triple H, Angle, and Rock with all sorts of crazy layering of storylines. I love it. I love the involvement of Stephanie. I love this Kurt Angle. You know, I don't know. Just everything was so well done. And in terms of story, but there was some sloppy spots. If you really look close at the match with Stephanie, there's some awkward things that she did in the match. She's clearly stepping into place to be behind somebody to get hit. She was like holding his (laughs) hips for like a little bit too long, like a few seconds too long, and it looked a little awkward. But, you know, she was young and 
she did a good job because it it's a big spot to be put in in such a huge main event. But I loved it nonetheless because of the story. And that was one of my comments, how young she looks there. She's such a, she's such a kid there compared to this Stephanie that we saw <laughs> in WrestleMania. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, the banner behind us uh, from uh, WrestleMania 34 here in New Orleans. But she was such a kid then. Uh, it's so funny. And again, it was 18 years ago. Yeah, so. it's crazy. Um, and then something I pointed out to you, uh, I remember thinking it back during that time, how Rock was really one of the innovators of coordinating that hip slap and the punch to make it sound like, you know, you're hitting full on. And, yeah. Uh, he was really one of the innovators of that. And, uh, you know, uh, back to Stephanie, the interaction with her and Angle. Sometimes it was so corny. Like when she was whispering to him and he was on the, the stretcher, like, please, do this for me. Go help Triple H, please. <laughs> it was just over the top. But I still enjoyed it. Like I said, like when you go into the campy mood, sometimes it's acceptable. And, you know, back then it, things were campy a lot more, I think. So... I liked it for some reason. It worked in that instance. It's funny to laugh at. Finally, let's touch on 2001 a little bit. And let me say this. Okay, so 2001 always gets overlooked, but I've always liked it. And I really like it because I was saying earlier, Angle versus Stone Cold is the main event. There was a lot of good undercard matches that don't get enough props. Like Lance Storm faced Edge and had a really, really good match. That's underrated mm -hmm. as heck. And then they combined the um, a championship when Tajiri faced X-Pac. I thought that was good. Just a lot of stuff that people just totally forget about. And let me say this, out of all the pay-per-views we watched, all the past SummerSlams, the best opening was 2001. There was no cheesy Hollywood theme or blockbuster <laughs> theme like in other years we talked about. I really liked the Let the Bodies Hit the Floor song with like the mental patient looking at like the television screen as all these wrestling highlights go across it and just he, lo he looks like he's in trance it's crazy yeah yeah drowning pools let the bodies hit the floor um it was really a good video package i said to you you know some of these video packages don't hold up but they were great for their time yeah that one would hold up if it was in hd obviously and yeah. a little sharper but that's the kind of video package they could run you know this weekend and it would fit yeah, exactly. I agree with that. And it was a lot better than, I can't remember which year was the classical music with the lady eating popcorn and weird stuff <laughs> happening. I don't know how that would hold up. And it wouldn't be able to be played today like the 2001 opening. That was great. But yeah, 2001 is on my personal list. Well, so it might not be on other people's, but for me it is. Well, we... Let's rank them. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We determined that these were our top five, so give me five to one. Well, I'm on the spot here because I, I didn't have this list written out before I came on here. Last, I'm going to put 2008. I, I'm putting it last because I like it. I love the Edge match, of course, with The Undertaker. But I'm not a huge fan of the blockbuster theme. Like I said earlier, JBL's not my favorite. So that's why it's not higher on the list. Then, shortly after that, I'm going to put 01 because personally I like it. But... You know, it's not everyone's cup of tea because there's better SummerSlams technically, but I'm fond of it because Angle's really prominent in it, and there's a lot of undercard matches that I think get overlooked. So, yeah, that's my number four. Then number three, I would say, is SummerSlam 2000. Really, really good. Love it. Then SummerSlam 2013. Basically, one could argue, why are you putting that so high? Well, for one reason and one reason alone, that CM Punk 
Brock Lesnar match. Like I said, it's on my top matches list, and the story to me is so good, that's why it's number two on my SummerSlam list, because it kind of made SummerSlam. And then the cena Brian thing kind of added to it as well. And then, of course, number one, 2002, because it's stacked from beginning to end. Hardly a bad match on the show, really entertaining, just a great, well-rounded pay-per-view. I'm going to go uh, same for you as you on number five, 2008. Even though there were some solid matches, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest of these five. So that's why I would have that there. I would have 2001 as my uh, number four. Um, I think I'm going to go for number three. I'm going to go 2013. Even though the last three matches were so good, I don't think the depth of the card matches up to the the final two. Valid point, valid point. Um, So number two, I'm going to put 2000. Uh, Just the the Shane, uh, the Y2J, Chris Benoit, uh, the, the the dawning of the TLC, I think that's main, one of the main reasons. And then the main event, Triple H, Angle, and Rock. But 2002 is the winner. And honestly, other than nostalgia as we wind this up with the polls and everything else, I don't see how you can't choose 2002 as the best because it was just so, so deep. It really was. It was so good and stacked. And let's preface this, like, 98 could have been our, on our list, you know? Oh, yeah. 92 could have been on our list. Mm-hmm. Those are honorable mentions for sure. But just these are our choices. And I know they happen to be all newer ones in terms of 2000 and beyond. But you can't argue that these are great pay-per-view shows. I agree. And, uh, again, uh, this is a new segment, Super yep. Kicking It Old School. And we want to thank our friends who came up with this. Yep, thank you. At Take the Bump Pod, you guys are geniuses. Not only are your Photoshop skills on point, oh my God. but your naming <laughs> skills apparently are also on point because we love the name of this new segment, and we're really excited to once in a while look back at you know where wrestling has come from and old school matches and old school pay per views. It's fun sometimes to you know take a look back and give a new opinion on some older things. Sometimes I agree. So now, it's time to close out the show and send them home. What do you got, Paul? Well, we talked about uh, all those summer slams and how uh, we, we made mention to Triple H and HBK and the blading and the blooding, blading up of their faces and how it was kind of over the top, but it was kind of a different time. Well, something from the pay-per-view that I actually ranked as the second best one, but one of the most embarrassing moments maybe in that pay-per-view, and I've seen it on a list of, of, of one of the worst things WWE has ever tried to do. 2000 SummerSlam, Cat versus Terry in a thong stink face match. And to play along with what we say, how things and things change, now that's 2000. 2018, we're going to have Ronda Rousey, the baddest woman on the planet, taking on Alexa Bliss. We're going to have Charlotte and Becky Lynch and Carmella. And they're going to, they're beautiful women, but they're going to be wrestling. They're not going to be playing these gimmicks uh, that, that would be playing up in, in a strip club. Um, you know, it, it was, a, looking back, 
you know, maybe at the time it was, we laughed about it, but you look back and it, it really was kind of disgraceful. Cringeworthy. And, and yeah, definitely cringeworthy. Cringeworthy that Howard Finkel had to say that this was the first ever stink face thong match. Like he ever thought he would be uttering those words. I know. Uh, so let's uh, let's be thankful that uh, WWE has evolved uh, to the point that we're going to have an all-women's pay-per-view uh, coming up in a couple months, and things like that are way into the rearview mirror. <laughs> Thankfully, yes. So now I'm closing out the show with a little bit something that's lighter. <laughs> um, so we kind of set up a new background for our set. If you're watching on Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube channel, you could see behind us we've got a WrestleMania 34 banner. It says WrestleMania New Orleans, and um, it's got Triple H and Stephanie on it, who we talked about a lot today. But, uh, yeah, we also have, like, a picture of Suzuki. We've got a Young Bucks Hardy's piece of art from my good friend Eric Hodson at Dreaded Dinosaur on Twitter. He designed our logo, our Two-Face Wrestling Talk logo, and he's doing the artwork, by the way, for All In StarCast. Some of the events, like Marty Skrull's Karaoke, he did a whole poster about that. He did a poster for the... Uh, WCW, the death of WCW panel. He did one for the Monday Night Wars panel. So look out for his art at StarCast. It's really incredible. He bases it on comic book covers, and it's really just well done. And you can see kind of behind my shoulder, that's what you see in there. It's one of his pieces, the Young Bucks versus Hardys. And then I've got a G126 uh, poster with Kenny Omega versus Goto. I'm just making sure Triple H doesn't have a... a... A sledgehammer that he's about to hit you in the back with. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a fun show. Hope you like our set if you're watching on YouTube. Hope you enjoyed our discussion. We really had a fun time looking back at all these Summer Slams. But man, I need a break from <laughs> watching so much wrestling in 24 hours. So well, hopefully we get a little bit of a break. Yeah, you're soon. not getting one. We got Ring of Honor, we got NXT TakeOver oh. Brooklyn, and we've got a SummerSlam show that's going to be four and a half hours plus a pre-show of two hours. So, Well, you know what? Now you say all that, I'm a little excited because it's so much stuff to watch, so many options. How can you be unhappy as a fan with so much content right at your fingertips? So it should be a lot of fun. Find us again on Twitter, at Two Faced Pod. Tweet us your opinions. If you disagree with our ranking, if you disagree with some of our opinions, it's okay to disagree. Just do so respectfully. And uh, let us know. Tweet us. Let us know what you think about the show. And, by the way, questions. We'll be back next week. So we'll, we'll take all your questions. I know we took a week off from that, but we knew that SummerSlam discussion was going to be pretty in-depth. So get us your questions uh, next week, and uh, we'll be right back with Ask Two Faced. And that's the finish. Oh, oh, oh.